drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Hello and welcome. This is episode 24 of Drive-By Cinema. I'm your host, Rick, with my co-host, Paul. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon and good new year and good new happy new year. Still new year and eating crisps for the benefit <laughs> of our listeners today. No, finished. And Alistair. Hello, all. Hello, hello. Good, good, good day, all. It is a new year, Paul, but we've also seen the fall of democracy in the United States. Have we? Pretty much. I thought, I thought this is a resounding confirmation of the, the role of uh, participatory, participatory democracy, that the fact that we haven't seen the fall of it, that democracy has triumphed, has it not? They definitely had a go at participating, didn't they? Oh, those people. I, I guess democracy did fall for a short time, didn't it? it yeah, it was anarchy, briefly, mob rule. <laughs> and did you hear, obviously, Trump got removed from Twitter, and uh, many of his well, yeah. followers also got banned from Twitter. And they're, they're off to parlay, or where parler, are they off to now? Parler, It's not parlay, it's parler. Well, why spell it as a French word and not pronounce it as a French word? That's a twatty thing to do, isn't it? Excuse my French. But Parler itself has been kicked off the Amazon hosting platforms. <laughs> well, yeah. Look, I mean, I think Jack has made a mistake on Twitter. Sure. I mean, I think we all support banning Donald Trump in the instance, but in the principle and as a class action, I think this is a mistake. And I think he's admitted as much, hasn't he, afterwards? He said, you know, this. I'm getting into very dangerous territory. Or rather, I don't think he made the decision. He said, I think we as a company are getting into really dangerous territory and setting a rather unfortunate precedent by doing this. Well, generally, I think you want your deranged racists to be out in the open, declaring themselves to be such, don't you? That would be a positive thing. I don't know thing. about that. Potentially, yeah. Why are we talking about this anyway? What's this got to do with anything? What's it got to do with the price of fish? It's When it's at home. It's just big news, Paul. It's what's... It's not being so topical and relevant. I know, it seems strange <laughs> to be topical, because people could be listening to this at any time. But you said Happy New Year at the top of the show, so... I did, yeah. Any moment now, the music is going to hit us, which will bring us into cool. the movie we're discussing. Wow. But first, I'm going to ask Paul, what is the name uh, of the movie? Uh, <laughs> the name of this movie is Alistair 1918 or 1918. But how do you spell Alistair? With an I. With two I's. Unlike the way you spell Alistair. Yes. With three A's and one I. So this is the That's subject correct. of my corrections and omissions this week. Because... Uh-huh. I picked up last week when you mentioned this, Paul. Alistair suggested the name of this film, and you called it a uh, something eponymous. Say eponymous. What's what is say eponymous? Sayo eponymous. Sayo eponymous. What does that mean? S E O Sayo eponymous. It's Latin. And what does it mean? It's the reflexive third person ah, pronoun. Okay. Okay. To himself. Wow, it, I think it means it's like having like Boris Johnson on the podcast. I could be completely wrong, actually. <laughs> but Maybe. I think that I think that may actually be a tautology. I think it is, I, or it could be. It could be a recursive event. I'm not sure, really. I think you might be mixing your languages as well. I have a feeling eponymous might be Greek. But anyway, the problem here is I picked up from that that Alistair is spelt with an A instead of an mm. I. And yet, on all of the show notes up until last week's one, I'd always spelt your name with an I. So I apologise, Alistair. Yes. I've misspelt your name. 
that's, habitually. That's quite all right. Uh, I am used to that. I have had a lifetime of it. I'm sure that's um, true because Alistair's are, got a lot of different spellings. There's at least three. Yeah, there's the Alistair, which is the as in the title of this film. There's Alastair, which is how I spell it. And then there are variants with a D instead of a T. Uh, Alastor. Um, Alistair, as in Alistair Crowley, with an I-E. You could put Y's in yeah, there. Yeah, he might have made that one up. I think he may have made that one up. Well, all actually. names are made up. <laughs> True. Well, Alistair's just a Scots version of Alexander, anyway. Anybody else have any corrections and omissions to own up to? Yes. Oh. No, Sayo is completely wrong. I've just checked, by the way. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was talking about. Very well. All right. Are we ready to do Alistair 1918? Here comes the music. Alistair, since you suggested this movie and it has your name, I thought what you, you might... What do you think of this bag of shit? Sorry. <laughs> I thought you might Sorry. like <laughs> to explain the plot very briefly of Alistair 1918. Okay, the the plot centres on a um, a woman called Poppy. Uh, well, I think it's fair to say it centres on a woman called Poppy who is making a film about homeless people. I believe she's a master's student in... Um, it's in Los Angeles. Very much in Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember whether... I can't remember whether she... Is she a filmmaking student? Yeah, well, she must be, isn't she? She's making a documentary. She's in LA. She must be a film student, surely. You would think, yeah. So she, she's making a film about homeless people. Um, she goes to Griffith Park to because she's told that there are quite a lot of people uh, sleep rough in Griffith Park. By the way, is that where there's the the observatory, yeah, the, Park the famous observatory. Griffith Observatory? And the, the right, Hollywood there. sign isn't there as well. Uh, oh, is this that, is a, by oh, the way, this is a very low budget movie, isn't it? And one of the yes, hallmarks yes, of its low budget is. It's a thing you would normally see in a lot of other films. You don't see in in this. You don't see establishing shots. So there's no point where you see like a you know skyline of Los Angeles, crap though it might be, and you certainly don't see the Hollywood sign. Although I think I don't think you can put the Hollywood sign in films without some kind of licensing thing. So well, it's owned yeah. by someone, isn't but it? You, they could have shown the Griff, Griffith Park Observatory, presumably, but you don't see any of that, true. or even just a drone shot over the uh, the park. Nothing like that. That's true. No drone. It, it's um it's all shot on handheld footage, so it has that it has a documentary feel to it because it is it's that's true all, that's true it doesn't make out like it's is, uh, found footage stuff doesn't it yeah yes yeah it's unedited documentary footage that's isn't right it? and whilst they're going around griffith park they're going around some woods suddenly a man appears Ta-da. and says hello can i help you he looks a bit bewildered and he's wearing an old military uniform yeah. and he turns out that he's called alistair morley and he's from west shivden Sorry, from Shivden in West Yorkshire. So I'm Englishman, and he was a sol- and he's a soldier in World War One. And he says the last thing that he remembers was that it was it was May 1918, and he's and then he's a, he's arrived in LA. So so obviously at this point we think, well, that's a really good crack. Where can I guess can get some? <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens then is that Poppy wants to help him. Um, so but how she, is he feeding she himself? Wants to help him. Squirrels. 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 He's, he's catching and cooking squirrels on the barbecues in Griffith Park. It's very, uh, yeah. How many a week? About five a week, I think he says. Or something like that. About five a week. He looks quite well on it, doesn't he? 
He looks quite well on five squirrels a week. You He's think, quite agile. You think pigeon or wood pigeon or, you know, that kind of thing would be better than squirrel? Are there no badgers or raccoons or anything like that around there? Something a bit well, bigger than be, a, yeah. a I'll tell you squirrel. what I think there are. I think there are cougars in in California. You don't want to eat those. Apparently, eating, eating carnivores is quite bad for you, apparently. Yeah, but you might be eating yourself by a cougar. Oh, that would be exactly. really bad. Well, I think you're more likely to get stabbed, aren't you? I don't think the cougars carry knives. Here's where my suspense of disbelief ended. You know, it's like you know, there's a man in a park who's homeless, who's feeding on squirrels and saves it from 1918, and she doesn't think he's yeah. a baghead. Why not? Of course, he's a baghead. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, no. Oh, it must be real. Let's go and find out if it's true or not. You know, like no, but a, a sound guy thinks that he's a complete. He's he's just um, a, well, he thinks he's insane. Oh, the the sound he? guy isn't that her boyfriend, Brandon? Ah, no. It's not her boyfriend because she's just broken up with a girlfriend. Oh, okay. It's but it's oh, someone who's right, very yeah. friendly with her anyway, and he's quite naggy. Oh, he clearly likes her. He's quite naggy. I think isn't he, he likes her. Guy. He's he's the voice of the audience going, but come on, this guy is clearly on something or mad, or as as my my wife pointed out, she said. Maybe what he wants, because he says, oh, when they say, can, can, um, is it all right if we film you? He, he doesn't go, my goodness, what are those strange machines you've got? He says, yeah. who will see this? And uh, will somebody see this who can help me? And my wife happened to hear that when, she was, when, when I was watching it. And she said, is he maybe an aspiring actor who's tipped up in L.A. and now he's homeless, but he's, and he's wearing a, a, a costume? And he's hoping that someone will spot him acting as though he's a World War One soldier, Ooh. and then he might get, That's he an might interesting get a break. Film. That's an interesting, That's an interesting film. I'd like idea, to see yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. I That's that a bit one. like how Will Smith got into got into Hollywood, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> well, not very similar, but a little bit similar. Yeah. Did he go back in time? Was he wearing? No, no he hung around the the stage door and kind of. He didn't do tricks. I've got to be careful what I say. No, no uh, what did he do? He hung around the stage door and kind of performed his performed his way in. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, well, I didn't know that. He literally was like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, he just turned up in California and, and, and somehow got his foot in the door. I mean, the only reason I know is because my mate's his next-door neighbour. Oh. So, Will Smith's yeah. next-door neighbour? Yeah, yeah. How can that possibly be true? What do you mean? How can that possibly be true? Like, well, somebody Will is, Smith is somebody's got to be his next door neighbour. Yeah, but you don't really have a next door neighbour if you have like an estate, you know. And it's well, no, does my mate? He's rich. Okay, but that's the thing, though. If if Will Smith lived in a desert, is then everyone it, would be for, his neighbour. For the sake of argument, Paul <laughs> Paul's mate might live in a shed three miles down exactly. the road. It's Malibu, you know. For, what can you get for ten million dollars? Not very much. A few acres at most. So of course mm. you've got a next door neighbour. The Californians. So Saturday Night Live sketch. Okay, so you know someone so rich enough to have like a McMansion in California, and you in Malibu, yeah, yeah. And you, you go and hang out there ever and stuff. Yeah, when 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 you're allowed to fly, yeah, why not? Okay, well, wave at will across the uh, across the swimming pool. Yeah, okay, it's good that you're allowed to wave at will. <laughs> yeah, without getting sued. <laughs> Uh, so Alistair, Alistair um, Morley, Poppy wants to help him. So she she takes him somewhere to to get cleaned up. Uh, so she buys him some soap and a toothbrush and toothpaste, and then uh, she says, "Can you show us where you arrived?" It's, he calls it the landing site where he arrived. Don't they take just him for a meal as well? 
Yeah, they go. They're getting sort of taco or something. I know. Imagine, they? imagine going a hundred years through time and winding up being given a Taco Bell. <laughs> no wonder he wanted to go back. For fuck's sake. Yeah, he hasn't got the new clothes at this point, has he? No, because he, no. he puts his old jacket on anyway. Yeah, he has a shower and puts he puts his t-shirt and jacket on. Well, he has a blood-stained t-shirt, and I, I must admit, uh, when, I, when, I, when he took his jacket off, he he's covered in. Well, he gets beaten up, doesn't he? And I just think that's a very modern-looking t-shirt. And he says he found it in the park. Oh, and at this sweet. sort of at this point, I'm starting to think this some of this, this just isn't adding up now. I mean, I, I mean, I'd already. So at this point, you're swaying to the idea that he's just an imposter, essentially. Yeah. I was. I was. There, there are there are numerous possibilities. One of them being, you know, as I've already said, that he's it's he's a, a junkie or a drug addict of some sort, or 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 he's um, delusionally insane, or he's a scam artist. You know, maybe he's just manipulating. Yeah. Um, these people, uh, or maybe as my wife suggested, he's an actor who's just trying to get spotted. Well, that would explain the bad acting. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> if that were true. So that there are that all of these are possible at, the, at this early stage in the film. All of these things are possible. And that is an interesting film, isn't it? But spoiler alert: by the end of the film, we know for certain that that those things can't really be the case. Yeah. But yeah, we'll get to right. that. I'm sure. Yeah. So. They they leave him because um, they say, well, do you want do you want the taking anywhere? And he says, no, I have to be at the landing site every night to try to get back. He's hoping that the hole that he felt... He said that a bomb exploded behind him on the battlefield in 1918 and he was hurled through a hole and then landed on this uh, container in a parking lot in, L- in L.A. And he's hoping that the hole will reappear and he can go back through it. So he says, no, I'm, I need to stay here. I need to stay here. So they leave him. But then she and Brandon, her sound guy, find him um, lying in a pool of his own blood outside a store. He's been beaten up quite badly. So she then takes him back to her apartment, lets him have a shower, gives him some new clothes, which at first is funny about because he says, this is my uniform, I can't, I can't give this up. And then they take him to buy um, a mobile phone. Somehow, between first meeting him and him getting beaten up, he's had his head shaved and he's had a, um, a face shave as well. That's not explained anywhere. As to how he's had a haircut. So anyway, the point is, he gets all these new clothes, and then about three frames later, he's back in his jacket again, his old uniform. Which I think is yeah, I guess annoying. he feels like he's on he's on active duty. To to cut sto- to cut the story short, because it's not very interesting. Eventually, they get him a job, and they give him a little apartment, like in a mobile home or something, don't they? Yeah, I was just getting to that. <laughs> Sounds like my life, actually. And they also find a woman on television who purports to have the science of wormholes that might allow time to... Yes. And so they convince her, they go and see her. Sophie Janssen. Sorry to interrupt, but her name is Sophie Janssen. Uh, she's French, I think, but she's married to a Danish guy, hence her name is Janssen. <laughs> Do you know her biography? It was in the movie. It's a so Wow, you're paying a lot movie. of attention. She's got this by an American. theory about wormholes and she's got a laptop that can track where they're going to appear and stuff. And having interviewed uh, Alistair about his uh, about where he uh, landed, as it were, she calculates where the wormhole's going to be and they set up this equipment all around this swimming pool in someone's backyard. And basically what happens is <laughs> he jumps in the swimming pool and nothing happens. Well, of course. I, I like the fact that they're tracking tracking these things like whirlwinds, you know, like tornado chasers. <laughs> uh, but what's great is the, the water is there to, and she explained this, was to draw the negative energy. 
Oh, the negative energy. Oh, yeah. The negative energy of the the wormhole. No, I wrote, I wrote this down. I wrote this down. What did she say? Um, exactly. They, right. They want to. They need to. Well, f- first of all, when she's asked, "How on earth do you work out where this wormhole's going to be?" Because she, kn- she she wants to find out where he was when he got pulled through it, and when exactly it was. Yeah. So he gives her the exact date and and where they look on a map to find out where it was in France. It was at it's this, like doing your horoscope, says, isn't it? Really? Yeah. He says it's what they now call the Second Battle of the Marne, and I thought, well, what did they call it then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, presumably he'd only know that. Although he does eventually figure out how to use the internet, doesn't he? He looks things up. Yeah. Oh, I've got lots to say about that when we get to yeah. that eventually. Anyway, so and then she, so she's asked. Sophie's asked, "How do you, how do you figure out where where the wormhole's going to be now?" Then because she says she can, based on those two coordinates in time and space, she can figure out where it is now. And she just says, "It is um, a very complicated calculation." <laughs> <laughs> That's all that we're told. Anyway. The device that she's using to to try to get him back through the wormhole, they're going to create a vacuum, and then they're going to position the negative energy siphons over a body of water to over disperse water. the excess energy. Ah, and they don't create a vacuum, by the way. No. So essentially, they're creating some sort of improbability drive, aren't they? They're, they're, is that what they're kind of doing? They're, is that the idea? Or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, why did he have to recreate the conditions from where he plopped out of the wormhole's womb? I don't well, this, understand. this is all... It makes no sense. No, exactly. I think we are... It's nonsense. We, we are coming to the point where we're giving, we're all going to be giving a very low science score for this film. <laughs> Another bit of science, though. Can I just, can I just interject this one? Um, it shows Sophie giving a TED Talk. It does show her giving a TED Talk, yeah. In which she says that time is non-linear and she's measured it. The diameter of time is approximately 100 years. <laughs> yes, I remember that bit. What does that mean? Well, he has come Even. forward 100 years, hasn't he? That, that, that much is true. Well, this, yeah, so this proving is the set, diameter of time is 100 years. This yeah. is set in 2018. So, now, so there is no time beyond 100 years. There is no time beyond 100 years. That's the diameter of time. <laughs> That's cobbler. Isn't it? It's cobbler. At this point where he's jumped into a swimming pool and nothing has happened... The, the whole sort of social fabric of this little unit that we're following breaks down. That they stop speaking to each other, basically. And he goes off Ooh. and gets a job. He gets, he's got a little laptop, and he gets a job writing some kind of newspaper article type thing because that's what his job was before he, he was presumably. Yes, he was the assistant editor of the local paper. Yeah, and he he uses his the phone that they've given him. Oh, by which there's a great one where Brandon's teasing him, and he says, um, "Does a mobile phone not completely blow your mind?" And Alistair says. No, we had telephones back in 1980. <laughs> and, and he goes, yeah. yeah, but this one's wireless. And he went, we had radios, radios. too. <laughs> now, the only slack I can give to this non-completely freaking out about technology is is there's, there's two things. I could say that, well, 1918 it was towards the end, you know, May. We're in the closing months of, of, of the First World War. Alistair's probably seen a staggering amount of technological progress in that time because World War One did see some incredible leaps forward in things like, well, obviously weaponry, but, you know, chemistry and uh, radio technology and photography and aviation and stuff like that. So maybe just, you know, things 
being you know diff being more advanced isn't is just a, a furthering of that rather than a massive paradigm shift as such and the other thing is is it presumably in, in the second battle of the man it was batshit crazy so he's probably just a bit like well nothing really surprises me anymore he figures out where the wormhole is going to be on the basis that because he came out of it backwards that the lady the doctor who calculated everything had got the wrong direction for the wormhole and so he speaks to her ah, again, and they easy mistake. They they reconfigure everything. They discover it's going to be somewhere in a bit of waste ground in the desert, and they take a bucket of water with them. <laughs> so, so there's a so body that's for the negative energy siphons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And spoiler alert: at the end of the movie, they switch everything on, and he disappears. So, no, no, no! Not before there's some amazing special effects. That's a very generous word to use, Paul. I quite like the special effects. Actually, it looked like a load of um, um, it looked like a, a, a kind of a mashup of loads of um, TV test cards. <laughs> well, what they'd done is the way he disappeared was they just like slowly increased or decreased the opacity of his image. <laughs> he felt like it was like it was like sort of a renter ghost, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fabulous. The thing about that is though that completely holds uh, below the waterline all the ideas that you know he's just a homeless guy with. Some kind of delusional fantasy, or he's an well, actor. yeah, you know, he actually or a magician, yeah. I suppose it- I was thinking it's. I was. I was thinking the. You know, the big reveal is he's an amazing magician because he he said something very convincing. He said, "I'm going to go back in time and I'm going to bury something when I get back to show that I've that I've, I, I made it." Kind of thing. It's a know? body cam that they put on him, but body cam. But unfortunately, he decides to bury it. He decides to bury it where he's camping. Whereas what he should have said is, you know, I'm going to go back and bury it somewhere that I haven't yet been in LA. Like they could say, hey, you know, how about Golden Gate Bridge? Go and bury it there. That's in San Francisco. And that would have been more impressive. So, 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 uh, yes, that would be very <laughs> impressive. Then, sorry. Uh, so, so what I was thinking was like, you know, he's a magician. He's kind of convinced them, and they go, you know, dig out the body cam, and it, wow, it's there. But actually, he's not really gone back at all. He's done it by sleight of hand, and I thought that would have been a much better ending. But we never really got there, did we? This is it, isn't it? We've all, in the space of the conversation we've had for the last thirty minutes, we've come up with several ideas that are all more interesting than the film they actually came up with. Well, it's the one thing that kept me guess kept me watching the film, apart from th- to talk about it. Now was that but you had to. Could, there are Mandatory. a number of yeah. possibilities. You are kept, you know, dangling until the end. It's like, well, which one is it? Is is he a, a lie? The trailer for the film actually has lots of thing, lots of words superimposed on pictures of Alistair, and it says World War One soldier, PTSD victim, yeah. um, liar, manipulator, fraud. With question marks, so you know you are you are supposed to be wondering is this is this all real? And the thing is, at the end, we still don't know because all that happens is we go we see Poppy digging a hole underneath Alistair's squirrel trap, which is just a, a cool box, isn't it? Where the camera's supposed to be, yeah, where the body camera's yeah. supposed and to be. And all that we all that we hear is the 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 metal tip of the spade go clink against something metal. And then she kind of gives a kind of a oh happy happy face, and then that's it. It ends. So we still don't know. She could have just found oh yeah, so a tin can in this world that you're describing. Yes, yeah, they don't find anything. It's just a tin can. But what's actually happened is that that doctor has evaporated a, a homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, the found footage, I think, means that we can't because it's it's shot with found footage. 
and it, it's the POV isn't him yes. most of the time. Mm. Therefore, we can't really lend ourselves to the notion that this is a homeless man who's gone a bit crazy and he's hallucinating this, you know, and he's actually jumping off a bridge and committing suicide. But he's in his mind, he's a soldier. You know, you know how how he might he might reconstruct this in his mind that he's a soldier and he's he's jumping into time travel kind of thing, and that he's completely delusional. We can't, that that avenue is never open for mm. us, is it? Because yeah. Because it's other people holding the camera and showing us that this is real in a sense, yeah. So I thought the way they closed down avenues of possibilities there was quite quite weak, really, in terms of how to script it. Now, in terms of credibility, I have to stop both of you here. Alice has said he, you know, he speaks with a Yorkshire accent, but he doesn't. He doesn't speak with a Yorkshire accent from nineteen eighteen. He speaks no. with a very modern accent. Was he, he also speak not with a little bit old? A very modern accent. Was he a bit old oh. to be a soldier from the First World War? No, no. I mean, 35, 40, you could definitely be a soldier at that age. He was a sergeant as I well, wasn't he? said he was 34 at the start of the war, so 38. Yeah, 30. it's possible. Well, he was, a sar- he was a sergeant. I think his uniform was a sergeant's uniform, wasn't it? But anyway, he speaks a very modern Lancashire and not a Yorkshire accent. I know it's modern. No, he does say something like Herm at one point. He tries sounded... to do a bit of Yorkshire, but it's actually a Lancashire accent. And it's a modern Lancashire accent. It's an educated modern Lancashire accent with very light fronted vowels mm. of the, you know, of the mock London estuary kind that, that yeah. politicians have been trying to trying to imitate for 20 years now. So like, you know, nobody would ever say university. People say university now if they're if they're, if they're trying to be slowly. And he kind of had those very fronted light vowels that people didn't have. Received mm. pronunciation or regional pronunciation, uh, vowels, particularly U's, were quite deep. You know, So we would put something on the table, put. And, and in the modern, in modern, these kind of modern educated accents that are affected, you know, people are putting on these vowel sounds. The schwa, you know, the kind of upside down e, it takes the place of many kind of u sounds, and he had that. So, so I'm sorry, I'm just not buying the fact that he's from 1914 or 1918 or whatever, because nobody spoke like that. Educated or not educated, received RP or not RP, northern or southern, nobody had those very weak fronted vowels that we have these days. I was just trying to find out where Guy Bertwistles is is from. That's the actor that plays Alistair. And it's very, very hard to find any information about him. He also did the music for the film. He wrote the oh, film. Did he? And he, he, yeah, he said he wrote the film, yeah. Yeah, he, he, you're oh right. He did, he did write. He did do the music as well. Music was quite good, I thought, actually. And the actress playing Poppy was the director. Was the director. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's um, wow. Annie McVeigh. No Annie McVeigh. That's the actress playing Poppy. I didn't know all that. Um, one thing that was bugging me about the is is leaving his body cam. I thought well, it would have been a great thing if they dug up his body cam and then looked at what the footage was. You know, showing him going back through his his evaporation from a bucket thing. Um, but why did they have to wait until after he'd gone to go and see? If that's right, they could have all gone first just to check he makes it through, couldn't they? Yeah, because they could have said, why, if, when if he I, got... that could have that could have saved them a lot of trouble, couldn't it? Because they could have said, right, we've had this idea now, so yeah. let's go back to the squirrel trap and dig up the body cam. And if there's a body cam there, then it means that you you make it back. It's the tiny wimey problem, isn't it? Why, when he got access to the internet, was he not so curious and looking up whether or not he got yeah. back with his? Well, I was saying, why was why was no one looking oh, up military s- records? 
Yeah. Oh, just stop me right now. Yeah. Slap me it right now. It, wouldn't it be this the first the thing you would do? The first thing you would do is you yeah. would look up the military records because he can say exactly who he was, where, where he, he was, was from, yeah. when when he disappeared, and at the very least, you'd have a record of somebody being missing in action, wouldn't you? Look, I just this whole thing, but he gets a laptop and he can use it within what a week. It's just nonsense. It would take him three or six months to even get his head around the concepts involved in a you know a browser, clicking on an icon to get a browser to open to to type in words to perform a you know a search. I don't know, Paul. Just, you managed it in no more than three or four months. <laughs> just <laughs> infeasible to cover you know almost a hundred years uh, to cover a hundred years and just. Just to throw a laptop at him and say, "Hey, you know, work out how that works." Yeah. It wouldn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think. I think <laughs> if with you the don't believe me, just wanting, but I think well, I don't think he could say we had typewriters and um. And yes, that, exactly. That wouldn't know. wash with that, would it? That wouldn't. You can't go that far I mean, with. If if somebody you know. had sat him down for two or three weeks and said, "Look, you know, here's the concepts. You know, this is like a typewriter. You type here, and the words come up on the screen." Yeah. I can imagine it, but nobody did, did they? They just gave him a computer and it started working. I mean, if you don't believe that that it, it does take a real conceptual shift to be able to use technology that way, just look at seven-year-olds. I mean, you've got a seven, you had a seven-year-old, Alison, so you probably know. Just look at seven-year-olds trying to use like Alexa or you know, or speaking to Google. They can't use it. Well, they can because Google's now being programmed to understand whole sentences. But they don't know how to perform a search in, in the way that adults do. No, that's that adults is true. Adults of our generation that have used technology. Yeah, that is true. So. That's a that's a very fair point. I have a question. Here we go. Pop quiz. So here's my question: Is this science or science fiction or science faction or science <laughs> fantasy? Time travel. Is it real or, or false? Is time travel real or false? Yeah, could be time travel. Is the yeah time travel? What do you think? Within or within a hundred years or more than a hundred years. Uh, well, let's just say time travel. Full stop. Well, at the moment, it's science fiction. Oh, science fiction. Paul, what do you say? Humans time travel. Humans, yes. <laughs> Beyond the trivial idea of we're time traveling relative to other frames on other planets. I was going to say maybe it would be mischievous of me to say that we are time traveling, aren't we? We're all going forward at one second so, per second. Well, yes. Beyond anything like that, you mean real time travel? You yes. mean like in a TARDIS? Like in a TARDIS. Well, that's, that's what I was. Say, that's what I was, was... going to say. Time travel. I mean, he went forward a hundred years. You know, is that is that within the bounds of possibility or not? No. Well, according to this movie, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Alistair, you, you say no. Paul, you're saying no. Absolutely no. No time travel is not possible. No. Time travel is but a fairly frequent thing in science fiction movies. Indeed, H.G. Wells' is The Time Machine. Is that considered one of the first science fiction yeah. novels? Gulliver's Travels yes. sometimes is given as a, one of the first science fiction books, isn't it? I watched recently. Do, are you guys you guys ever see Vsauce on YouTube? Yeah. Hi, Michael here. Hi, um, Michael. Vsauce. <laughs> I watched one, a very recent one, just the other day, where he was talking about time. And he made a point at one at one stage about time travel, and it, you know, as it, obviously it's a common trope. But at one point, people didn't really thrill about stories about time travel. It wasn't a thing that happened because he says he claims there was a point in history where the 
present was just seen as a continuation of the past. Things didn't change that often. The idea of time travel would have seemed boring. It would just be like going to another place that was much the same as as what is now, you know. And if all of history seemed the same as now, there'd be no point in going into the future either. It would be no more exciting, or perhaps less exciting, than going to an exotic location. So Mm. the idea of time travel didn't have the same mystique as it does now. Whereas now, nowadays, you know, a decade is so distinct from a previous decade. Mm. There's no denying the difference in time, right? You know, we can watch a film and immediately tell you which decade it's in by the mobile phones people are carrying, Mm. cell phones people are carrying. And so for us, the pace of change is so rapid that actually time travel is probably more exciting than traveling to a different place, you know. Yeah. I think this is his thesis is that this is why time travel is much more of a popular concept nowadays than it used to be. Yeah. All this is to get away from the fact that this movie is shit. No, but what I was going to say about time travel is the interesting thing is we know for a fact, and this isn't speculation, it's not wild theoretical physics, we know for a fact that you can time travel because of Einstein's special theory of relativity. And we talked about it, Paul, in previous podcasts. about Well, can, but survive different issues, Richard. What, what's the difficulty in surviving a relativistic... So let's just be clear what we mean by time travel in this context. We know that... All right, let's start even further back. We've talked briefly before about the two philosophical concepts for the metaphysics of time. And they are roughly described as the A theory and the B theory of time. So uh, the A theory of time is what I think are people's common or garden sense of time. And it goes like this. The present is the the moment that exists. And everything in the present exists. But things in the past don't exist, really. And things in the future don't exist because they haven't yet happened. So it's only the present, sort of an infinitesimally thin slice, that that is where things are. And I think in common with this idea is the idea that everyone is moving lockstep forward, second by second, and we're all sharing that same moment of present, you know, everywhere. Yeah. The B theory of time is the idea that the past, the present and the future all exist. And in that view, time travel would be possible because you could just go to a different part of that existing landscape, that temporal landscape. The B theory of time seems to be strongly supported by modern science. Everything since special relativity seems to indicate that there's no common simultaneous now everywhere and that our ideas of what's simultaneous and our ideas of the flow of time depend on your movement in space. Okay, if that's true, then the A A theory can't really be true. And it must be the case that you can go to different parts of the block universe of all time. Right. Sorry, do you want me to have an opinion on this? I think it's the common sense notion of time is is an A theory. People think that, you know, we're all sharing the same now moment and in a sense, we're kind of locked into it. So time travel seems counterintuitive because we can't imagine how we could get out of that, you know, that, that common shared now. But we know from 
all physics since Einstein and perhaps, perhaps slightly before, in fact, that in fact, there is no shared now that simultaneity is dependent on your movement in space. And as a consequence, time travel is not as difficult or as unthinkable as you think it is. So how does this apply? Well, if you wanted to go uh, 100 years into the future, you need to use the effect called time dilation. Time dilation is the observed fact that objects in motion relative to your frame of reference, their clocks tick slower. And when I say that their clock ticks slower, I don't just mean that that's an effect on clockwork or on a quartz watch. I mean time actually moves slower for, for them. This is the famous twin paradox that's brought up with reference to Einstein's special theory of relativity. If you take twins, you send one twin off in a spaceship and he flies to Proxima Centauri and he goes at an appreciable proportion of the speed of light. He turns around and he comes back. When he returns, we will find that he is younger than I am, or that his twin is who, who remained. So you mean in the sense of like his biological chronometer will show a younger age than the twin that remained on Earth? Yeah, he will literally say that he's experienced eight years, say, where I've experienced 10 years or 12 years. It all depends on the speed that he goes, ultimately. So if you wanted to travel 100 years into the future, you simply need to go on a journey fast enough that in an, a comfortable length of time, where by the time you return, the world's clock has advanced 100 years and yours has only gone one year or you know, five minutes. Again, it depends on how fast you go. You need to go one time diameter. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> In the parlance of Alistair 1918. One temporal unit. <laughs> but on that basis, you know, it's interesting, both of you rejected the idea of time as science fiction. No, I think that's a but, bit unfair. I think uh, that's unfair. <laughs> I think, because the, the, you asked, is, is, science, is time travel fa- science fact or science fiction yes. and i was thinking merely in i was thinking can we actually go in a machine and travel through time not at the moment we can't well we, yes we could we no, could but get not, in not. A- who's done it there richard what who's done it we, who has done it well no i think i understand the point show me pe- that man people in the people in the in who've been in um in orbit for a long period of time are slightly younger very slightly younger than people who've been on earth Exactly. Yeah, it's okay. just a so matter could, of could, it, it's purely a matter of how far degree. in the future you're you we're talking about. A hundred years is a bit of a tall order. Right. But in principle so, there's absolutely so nothing you, stopping us doing it tomorrow. You know, theoretically in principle, yeah. But make us travel in, in, in you know, into the future tomorrow. But the question I understood Richard was can we ostensibly and practically time travel to a measurable extent now? And the answer is no we can't. We could do it to a measurable extent. To a meaningfully measurable extent, like 10 months or one year or three years. We could do it. We We could do it. Well, we haven't done it. We could, but that's not can. Could we or can we are different questions, Richard? So I think here the problem is it stems from the fact we interpreted your can we as can we rather than could we. Also, just because something's fiction doesn't mean it isn't real. Sure. Oh, my God. But, but, okay, perhaps my question was unfair, but... Yes. If I were to ask... Yeah, your question was... It was a lawyer's question, Richard. If I were to ask the average man on the street if time travel was scientifically possible, what do you think that they would say? 
I think they probably would say. Yes. I mean, I, I I knew that it's theoretically oh. possible. I, I did know that. But yeah, it's, if you ask, it was practically possible too. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Practically yeah. possible. And uh, that's what I'm getting at, really. I think it's really interesting that I think most people don't really understand the consequences of the physics that Einstein mm. proposed. You know that idea of um, time being something that flows for, forward for the most. Well, yeah, it does flow forward. Is that is that within the theories, the A and the B theories? Well, the A theory that you mentioned. Is that said to be an effect of the way our brains perceive it? For an A theory of time, time is flowing for everybody. And I suppose that it doesn't really address the metaphysics of why that should be. Mm. But it implies it can't be a mental process because it happens universally, right? It's a universal thing that everything is experiencing time at the same rate. For B theory... It's much again. It doesn't address it directly, but I think it's a much stronger thing to say there that the passage of time is sort of an illusion, sort of a mental effect. Um, And you can imagine arranging things so that time flows in different directions, and which indeed again is really what's happening with special relativity. Now, of course, in the movie, and if you were actually to do this you probably want the ability to go back in time like Alistair did to get back to his wife. And going backwards in time is a bit more of a problem. Mm. There are solutions to the problem of going back in time that do involve wormholes. So the science in the film is accurate to that extent that in the space-time universe that Einstein describes with special and general theory of relativity more accurately, I suppose, it would be possible because, again, it's a B theory of time because space-time is a sort of landscape. If you can make a space-time wormhole between two different times, you could traverse it into the past. But could one form spontaneously, as has apparently happened in this film? I think so, and I think the theoretical physics would, would hold that wormholes do form spontaneously on a subatomic level, the difficulty would be having something big enough for a human being to go through. And my understanding, which is very limited of the incredible mathematics, is that's going to require some very exotic kind of matter in unthinkably large quantities to hold the mouth of such a wormhole open. And a very complicated calculation. <laughs> yes. All right. I think we best do scores then, haven't we? <laughs> Let's start with the science. And I'm going to say... Nothing wrong with travelling forward in time 100 years. Nothing wrong with necessarily doing it from a wormhole. Something wrong with pretending it's to do with water and then doing it over a bucket and forming a vacuum seems to be a bit irrelevant. (laughs) That's the negative mass, the negative energy, man. Lots of negative energy in Hollywood. (laughs) That's true. And then there's all the stuff about him using technology and stuff like that. Where did they find a tea in... Los Angeles. If you've ever tried to make a hotel in Los Angeles make you a cup of tea, you'll realise why that's just impossible to believe. And she said, when they moved into his little his little uh, mobile home, she said, oh, you've got a tea kettle. Oh, yeah. That was a really nice-looking kettle as well. It looked like a La Cruze or something, didn't it? it? That looked like an expensive kettle. It wasn't an electric kettle, of course. No, it electric was Electric kettles are basically unheard of in the US because mm. 110 volts means they're too slow. Yeah, and when he had the the tea that she gave him the, in the plastic cup, he he just he took a sip and he went, "I've had worse." <laughs> yeah. 
in the trenches. Yeah. Yeah. Mud. <laughs> oh, so the T was a reference to his Englishness. Yeah, I think I, so. I yeah. understand. So for the science, I'm going to give it a below par four. I think that's really generous. Oh. I, like I say, they've got wormholes, right? You know, yeah. nothing wrong with time travel per se. No, I mean, I think from from a science fiction point of view, I thought that was actually just very badly explained a lot of the time. But I think I'm going to give it a little a little point upwards because you, you've explained the thing about the different theories of time and, and the fact that it is literally theoretically and really possible. Um, yeah, that you, you've you've helped to redeem an extra point there. Yay. But I thought just the the description of well the the, the scientist was that was so ridiculous you know <laughs> saying that the, the the diameter of time is 100 years doesn't mean anything and her negative energy siphons and recreating wow. a bomb and but it just involves putting some globes around a swimming pool and then he jumps into it it was absolute hogwash so i think i think from that perspective and various other things to do with the way that alistair approached technology i think i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the three yeah i mean i think uh, here anachronism has to come under science and there were too many anachronisms his accent was a modern accent it was just not an accent that was recognised by anybody or produced by anybody in 1918. And I thought that was a major oversight if you actually wanted that he is really from 1918 and it disappears into the past. In terms of other things, yeah, I think you've said it, you know, I mean, time travel without any big flashing machinery, wormholes appearing and moving at the speed of tornadoes and just generally behaving like tornadoes. Why? Why? Just why? It's just silly. So a two and a half from me. Four is also below average. I, mean, I just think it deserves a bit of credit for being slightly realistic. But let's do special effects. <laughs> Look, if this was a bigger budget movie, you would have expected, either at the start or at the end, there to have been a scene in World War One. Mm. They probably yes. couldn't have resisted that. But they were obviously working on a budget. It showed with the special Didn't effects. Terminator do this? Didn't we get to see the future in Terminator? You did, yes. Yeah. 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 And there was no real action except they did some mopping at one point, didn't they? Jumping into the swimming pool was about the high spot. So for that reason, I can only give it a three here. What do we call it? You know, the reason for people doing things in movies. McGunty. McGuffin. 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 You know, I mean, Terminator's McGuffin was that he had to come back to change past to change future, blah, 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 blah. And there was a war going on. But I mean, what the hell is he doing here in the future, this man? You might as well stay, you might as well go back. It doesn't really matter, does it? Apart from where he wants to go back and see somebody who's dead. So, <laughs> so for so, special effects, Paul, what do you give it? Oh, sorry, special effects. Well, there's no reason for special effects, because there's no... Nothing happens. Like, it doesn't really matter if he goes back or not. Does this it? could have been a radio play much more successfully. There's no reason for it to have been committed to imagery, is it? Yeah, so a three for me on special effects. Because they do do that bit at the end where, you know, his body becomes increasingly <laughs> less opaque and more transparent and he kind of disappears. On the budget of three. The the bucket, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the bucket budget. I'm not I'm not sure about whether it would work as a radio play. Actually, no, it would work as a radio play, but I think it works okay as a film because of the documentary format, I think. You could it, do that as a radio play, then. You could, you could. I don't see, there's no reason why it couldn't have been done as a film, so I think I You think mean, that's as okay. a better film? <laughs> yeah, I quite liked, I, I actually quite liked that, that, that wormhole 
well, it wasn't the wormhole effect. It was the negative energy dispersal thing that was, like I said, it was a mashup of uh, what looked like test cards. I actually quite quite liked that. I thought it looked it looked kind of amusingly eight bit. I thought that was that was. Are we getting quite... a five then? With in terms of special effects, can I include things like music? Okay. Yeah, because sure, sure. I actually like. I thought the music and the sounds were quite atmospheric in this film. Guy Bertwistle also, as we've said, he, as well as writing the film and acting in the film, he also did the music, and it was all right. I thought it was. Um, I thought it was quite good. So I think special effects in terms of creating the the atmosphere that they were trying to create, I would give it a six, especially. Uh, well, I would give it a six, but I'm going to give it a five because Alistair just wasn't believable as as being of the time he said he was going to be, and I think that's partly down to the way that it was filmed rather than his acting. So I'm going to go down to a five, but then I'm going to give it um, another point for it being a very, very low-budget thing, so it's getting a, a six from me. So since you mentioned acting, I'm going to say, I didn't find the acting all that convincing. I thought Guy Bertwistle was was okay, but some of the other characters, some of the supporting characters didn't hit the mark for me. Yeah, that detracted from the experience for me, so I'm going to go for... A four. What what we're talking about? Acting. 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 What? Acting. Yeah, it's that there was sort of make believe, Paul, that people do. <laughs> Professional pretending. No, I just, I've got some. I've got some notes here. I'm trying to work out which what they what they're pertinent to. It's not acting. I don't think. No, I mean the acting was perfunctory. I'm going to give it a six for acting. I'm saying no more. Really. I'm hoping these notes won't fit into the next thing we're going to score. I would give it a five because I thought they were all yeah. unconvincing, mm. but they were quite likeable, so I'm going to give them a six. Paul, the next category is going to be, and you can start, it's going to be plot. script and plot. Oh, plot script. Yeah. Uh, one thing, can I just say, I really didn't like the fact he wore that stupid uniform all the way through the movie. I just wanted to take it off. It was really, like, it looked like he was, you know how old uniforms are very restricting on the shoulders? I just didn't like that. It just didn't look comfortable for him to be wearing that. That annoyed me. Did you not like the bit where where he's uh, he said he's like your uniform? Is what is that? Is that wool? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> I like the scene where they're passing a shop window and they see a fashion display yeah, with a okay. uniform in it. I yeah. quite like that bit. Yeah, that was, that quite, was quite cool. cute. That was quite nice. So yeah, plot. Well, first of all, I think can we get into found footage here? Found footage. Oh. I found footage. Do you know what we found footage? Because I did some research. Found footage started or was seen to start in 1980 with Cannibal Holocaust, which yes. was uh, directed by Diodato, who I guess is a famous Italian director, connected with a movie that we're about to watch or will soon review, which is the Beyond Italian style. Oh, Paul, you, you're, you're making another pitch for the Beyond, though, you Paul. Oh, yeah, and then of course we have Blair Witch Project, uh, Paranormal Activity, one of my favourites, Cloverfield, and and the very not forgettable Europa Report, all employing the found footage technique. Let's call it a technique, shall we? So I think you can't judge the plot or the script or whatever without looking at the cinematography uh, and how how the plot is expressed through found footage. And I think the only way found footage here would work is if he goes through some major, not personal development, personal transformation. And he doesn't do He doesn't, yeah, no. There's no point at which he confronts this, the incredible position he's in. And I think insanity might have been a response to that. That's one way they could have gone. But there's no point where he's confronted with what's happened to him and he has to process it. We don't, with the found footage would have followed that really well and he didn't do because it never occurred because it wasn't written. The script wasn't written. 
And I think maybe they collaborate on the script and you get some sort of group think happening, happening here where they, they just filter out anything that's not a nice idea kind of thing. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, there, there is really no script to speak of, is there? Nothing happens in a way. Nothing happens. Considering a World War One soldier arrives in LA and has a documentary made about him, yeah. nothing happens. It's all too saccharine. I mean, the, the one thing that they could have pursued is: is he a charlatan when he says he's going to bury the thing in a place that he knows of now, and then a day later they dig it up when he's di- disappeared in the swimming pool, kind of thing? And that could have been pursued as a script, <laughs> as a plot device, but. But no, there's nothing to pursue here, and there's no development character-wise, so I have to give this a pretty fairly awful three. Uh, yes, I'm in agreement with all of those ideas, and I think a three is a fair score for the plot. Mm. Yeah, though, yes, as I say, we've come up with a dozen better ideas. Yeah. You could have done this in a non-linear way. You could have told yes. it from, you could have told it from the point of view of them digging it up at the beginning of the movie, yeah. digging up a box, and someone trying to explain how this happened, or... Or working oh. out how it happened. Yeah. And yeah. our different ideas have been presented as competing ideas and we follow we you know, we disappear down these different I, these rabbit holes to find out, you know, was he deluded? Was he a charlatan? Did he actually go back? We could have explored all yeah. these within a script. They could have done this as a real I mean, this wasn't we called this found footage, but it wasn't really. This is just as if they were filming long stretches for a documentary. Yeah. If it had all come from that GoPro that they dug up. That would have been a found footage movie, and that would have been also interesting. That would have been good. Yeah. Three, anyway. Alistair, your thoughts. Yeah, Alistair. I'm, I'm totally in agreement with what both of you have said. One of the things that that just bugged me throughout the whole thing is surely, and I know, I know, I said the man might, I know, I said Alistair might not be bothered or phased by technology, but surely, to, for goodness' sake, you know, being in a in a forest in the middle of France and then suddenly being in an unrecognisable American city full of loads of metal things, it would it would have some effect to phase you a little bit, even after sure. 30 days. So I thought the fact that he seemed to be completely all right with all of but that... But that would have been a nice... That would have been a nice seesaw yeah, for the script. There was no culture he's shock, very phased and he's out of his mind. Is it because he's time-travelled? Or is it because he's a baghead? You know, I mean, it would have been yeah. good. There was no future sport, shock or it? culture shock or anything, and I just thought that was really, really poor. They could have written him much, much better than that. I, I think, frankly, the the, the possibilities Can't that we've, we've entertained are, as you say, they're more interesting. The only thing that was of merit in terms of a plot and a story here was the keeping you wondering whether or not it's true and whether or not it, it, he's he is deluded, baghead, whatever. Um, and the, once they introduced the pseudo-French scientist suddenly we started to veer away from that possibility completely into a realm of silliness i mean yeah it was it wasn't even a good french accent either you know it was it was it was terrible so i think the question that we always say ask is you know what's this film about it isn't about anything really it could have been about all of that you know is is he a fake is he not and really it ends up being the worst option of all of them frankly the trailer that i mentioned is more interesting than the film richard paul alistair your consultant scriptwriters for any hollywood blockbuster call us on 0800 525252 where we'll make your script have a little bit more pop so your plot score alistair was what ooh an overall score who is this film for? Who is it supposed to please? The people that made it's it. It's not romantic enough for a rom- you know, a romance. It's not sciencey techy enough for science fiction fans. 
It, it doesn't. It's too explore. hastily written to be to to be trying to break out into Hollywood, isn't it? You know, like let's put our twenty thousand dollars and and let's break into Hollywood. But usually, when you see those on YouTube, plot wise, they've put a lot of thought into them. You know, you wouldn't just do this and expect it to make waves in Hollywood, would you? I, mean, I want to like it. I want to like it because. Yeah, you know, it seems seems like those people are sincere and they like what they do and they're enjoying it, but it's just not very good, is it? And I couldn't recommend it because there's no target audience for it. I mean, it. the point is, making movie has be, making movies has become a lot cheaper, and it's it's something you can do with your local amateur dramatics society budget these days, isn't it? You know, twenty thousand pounds, you can make amateur a movie. dramatics. Yeah, that's what it's more like. Isn't and and it? I, I mean. Would we condemn people for doing amateur dramatics? No, we wouldn't. So, are we, are we? Can we condemn these people for using their own money to essentially pursue a vanity project? I don't think we can. You know, fair play to them, but that doesn't alter the fact it's a four out of ten movie. Yeah, it is four out of which, ten. I agree. I agree. Yeah, which in a way, if you, I mean, if if you're just amateurs spending twenty grand, it's a good score. You know, I mean, yeah. I was just looking, having a quick look on um, IMDb, uh, Guy Bertwistle and Annie McVeigh's profiles and it's interesting to note that there is nothing after this film in their uh, repertoires okay that's quite somber and on yeah. that note <laughs> uh, well no i just so what what's your score though Alistair? an overall score from right yeah. from me is yeah i'm inclined to go for for a four as well because it it, it, yeah. it is it, it's i mean there is nothing wrong with it being an amdram vanity project You're absolutely agreeable. right you look know. what yeah. is wrong with finishing a marathon in four and a nothing half hours at all. nothing at all nothing, nothing. it's an achievement <laughs> i nevertheless i found it I, I did watch it to the end and i i wouldn't i've got uh, unless it becomes some sort of bizarrely compelling reason to watch it again <laughs> so, i don't know did it drag did it not drag horribly no it kind of dragged no it, it didn't I, it didn't it, uh, oh. I, it's it was just a kind of a cute a cute little film so i'm tempted to give yeah. it a five but i'm not i'm giving it a four there we are then uh well Alistair, so that was all your fault now no next week's <laughs> no. movie i presented it as an option for <laughs> <laughs> next week's movie since Paul keeps rattling on about it, he just did it then. We're going to have please, to please, watch please, please, please. The Beyond. Yes! Mm-hmm. This is the... Oh. What year is it from? 1979, I think. It's an Italian about. It's an Italian horror movie with some, I guess, some no. pretension to be a, a cult classic. Well, let's find out when we watch it. But, but what, what I will say is before we do watch it, talk about it next week is to say uh, I do have a correction Alistair I said it made 340 million in the box office at the box office it oh, didn't no. <laughs> it made 340 million lira and I didn't know this but lira <laughs> I didn't know this <laughs> well I didn't know this but lira had the same pound sign as a pound mm. which is why I read it wrong on Wikipedia uh, now I was looking does the English pound sign have two lines through or one line through I oh. think it has two lines through, in, in actual fact. And this only had one line through, which makes it the Italian lira. So it didn't make that much money as what I thought. <laughs> but since then, it has become a cult classic. And it has made a lot of money on the old video release in the 80s and 90s and on reshows and, and platforms later on. It is now viewed as something of a cult classic. Oh, Was it a video nasty? Until then, until next week, here comes the music in, in three... three. Two, Two one. one.
Thank you.